0: is that we don't think that he ever got to go out with her. He asked her, and she said no. <laughs> and and he went back, and Jennifer took him back. I mean, that's uh, we're not making this stuff up. That's what's so funny. We're not making the things up that you see uh, in our I Married a Dummy support group. Let me just do a, <clears throat> a couple of uh, housekeeping things today. One is I just wanted to make you aware that uh, the the second chance prom is two weeks from today. Um, that is fast approaching. And we have guaranteed 25 couples or, or 50 people. So it doesn't have to be couples. You can come. Um, singles can come. They are legitimate families of one, we say all the time. And we're trying to prepare you guys for marriage as well, since 90% of singles get married one, at least once in their lifetime. Um, but please sign up if you're interested in that or if you know other folks who would be interested um, get signed up because we have already made that commitment and we've got to pay whether 25 uh, whether 50 people show up or not so we do have a DJ that's going to be there um, we're going to take pictures and, and we're going to have a good time sit down meal uh, choice two different meats, and all that stuff so it's going to it's going to be fun that night um, we, we have some lion dancing on tap and um, some different things it's, it's going to be a lot of fun um, the other thing is if, if you would help us out and bring a prom picture um It doesn't have to be with your present spouse because that's the idea of a second chance prom is that most of us didn't go to prom with our present spouse. So if you want to bring a picture, um, we will put those together and and we'll have kind of fun um, looking back at when some of us had hair. I wore a light blue tux. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, So what were we thinking, you know, back at that time, whenever we we got our, our prom clothes, that's kind of funny stuff. Now, another thing that we want you to do... Thank you. <clears throat> I've got some, but you're giving me backup. I appreciate it. Between soccer tournament yesterday and sickness, this is this is what's left over today. Um, the cards that you fill out. I want you to take just a few seconds and fill the card out because every week we're going to be drawing cards and we're going to have some free giveaways. Um, some of the books that we've been talking about, we're going to give those away to you. And um, this week what we're going to give out is two... Um, Simply romantic husband books. Now, if if a single gets that and you know somebody who needs it and you feel free to write a note in there and say, I thought you were romantically challenged, you know, and hand this to, to somebody, you have freedom to do that. Um if if you know a younger person gets that, then you can give it to your your dad or or whatever. Um but what we're gonna do is we'll draw from those folks who were here last week and, and registered. So Ashley, you're close. Come here and, and pull out a couple of cards for me. Ashley Gleason, that's, that's, uh, so you can't, yeah, that's, that's pretty, reach down there and get a different, okay, so this is two, so Rick, you can, (laughs) that's actually pretty, pretty cool, um, Dwayne and Michelle Rowland, so here we've got Simply Romantic Husband, 150, and creative ways to romance your wife, why don't you walk that back there to your dad, he needs that, and, uh, yeah, Sandy's gonna be excited, Michelle, you need to let us know whether, yeah, if it works, whether he's, (laughs) whether he he takes these these suggestions or not. And we will be asking Sandy whether uh, whether she does any of this, whether Rick, you put this into practice. You do your homework. Good, good. Now, uh, the books we're going to give out in the next couple of weeks, the one I'm talking about today... Is called uh, For Women Only. This is, this is a phenomenal book. This, this, um, I don't even know when it was copyrighted. Um, I heard an interview with her. Um, it was copyrighted in 2004. So what she did was she interviewed, um, researched a thousand men and asked them some questions. So she came up with seven revelations um, about men. Not the book of Revelation, but seven revelations about men. And we're going to talk about that today. A lot of what we're going to share is based on this book. It is excellent. If you don't win it, ladies, I would suggest you get it. Men, do not go and buy this book for your wife. You can recommend it to her, and you let her read it, and then she will ask you questions. So be ready, but do not get it and say, you need this, and beat her over the head with it. That doesn't work. The other book that we'll be giving out in a couple of weeks is His Needs, Her Needs, um, Uh, Dr. Willard Harley did research. He's been a a counselor for over 30 years, and he discovered the top 10 needs of men and women, five for women, five for men, and he goes into detail in here about that. Also on May 1st, in this time, we are actually going to do um, a renewal of our vows. And um, we'll, we'll stand up and we'll look at each other and we'll, we'll do a recommitment of our vows to one another. And then that evening when we have the prom, we'll have wedding cake and we'll have, you know, reception and a prom together. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> now, I don't know if you've been in a bookstore lately, like a big bookstore. Um, Books a Million was, a, was one we stopped at this weekend at the tournament. And um, there is a section for stuff between men and women. Have you noticed how many books, I guess as long as we're going to be alive, there are going to be people coming out with new books because there are problems between men and women. Have y'all figured that out? Well, we chose the Dummies for Marriage uh, series because evidently there's, these are very popular books. Alex, do you have a listing of, of all the dummy books? And I'm not even, I don't think you can even read all of this. These are all the different dummy titles in the series. You know, there's dummies for windows, there's dummies for computers, there's dummies for computer repair, there's dummies for marriage, there's dummies for, for accounting. I mean, just everything. And so we thought this would this would go over well. Maybe we need to write our own book and, and publish that if it could just be part of the series. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the revelations that, that Shanti, her name is Shanti Feldon, who wrote this book for women only. We're going to look at some of those things that she discovered. The very first need, the first thing that she discovered about men is... Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got Where Where is it, Alex? I had it. Alex decided to, to be cute and uh, just write his first reaction, you know, just to look at the listening guide without hearing and write it down. What was your first one, man? I forgot. I think it was men are dumb. That was his first one that he put in there and he just decided that, you know, first thing that came to his mind, men are dumb. So don't put that. That's not right. Men need respect. Men need respect that's the first one <clears throat> now I want to try and experiment I want to give you two options and you must choose one option okay don't don't ponder on it you know don't take any time two options and I want you to respond now I'll tell you the two options I'll give you that long and I'll say raise your hand if you want this one raise your hand if you want that one here are your two options would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world, that's your first option, or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected? Those are the only two options you have. I'll read them again before I ask you to raise your hand. Would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected? Let me see the hands of those who would rather be unloved and alone. Wow, okay, let me see the hands of those who would rather feel um, inadequate and disrespected? Interesting, interesting. All right. Now, what we're going to be talking about today doesn't necessarily apply 100% to, to all men, just like last week it didn't um, apply 100% to women. But in general, this is what she found. She found that most men, I don't remember the percentage, but most men would rather feel unloved than inadequate and disrespected. And this is a huge soul-level need that that men have. And we talked about last week, women need love and affection, and uh, women want to be loved and cherished, and that's a huge need. Well, men have just as big a need to be respected. It's a soul-level need. And that's why um, sometimes you see a man, ladies, sometimes you see a man do dumb things if he thinks he will be disrespected if he doesn't do it. Can't always explain that, but, but that's part of the reason. Ladies, you can spend your entire life trying to make your man feel loved and cherished, which is one of your biggest needs. But if you criticize him, if you disrespect him, he will never feel that love, ever. Um, And look what the Bible has to say about this. I think it's interesting that what researchers are rediscovering all the time, the Bible has known for thousands of years. Look at Ephesians 5.33. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. Now, I've been saying this in marriage counseling and actually in weddings for years. According to Ephesians chapter five, I think I even said this in your wedding, according to Ephesians chapter five, the number one need that the woman has is to be loved. The number one need that the man has is to be respected, according to that passage. And, you know, in our Western society, we we agree with this idea of unconditional love. Oh yeah, we'll say we're supposed to have unconditional love. That's the type of love that we're supposed to have. But we believe that respect must be earned. Would you agree with that statement? Most people say unconditional love, yes, we're supposed to love each other, but respect, you've got to earn that. That's an unbiblical idea, according to Ephesians chapter 5. Nowhere in there does it say that a woman needs to respect her husband if he earns it. It is not a suggestion of God. It's a command. Ladies, and it's part of your job description in the scripture to respect your husband. Um, If you will, here's here's the deal. Ladies, um, your man is a paradox. Is that a revelation to you? I mean, there are are all kinds of of paradoxical things, but here's one. Let's say that the man has this this level of thinking about himself and and about what he, he does in life. And let's say that, ladies, you have this level And you communicate that whether you say it or not. You communicate that through your actions. When you're talking to other people, sometimes things get back that you said about your spouse, whatever. If you have this level of opinion of your man, the paradox is that he will descend to this level. He will become this level of expectation that you have. Paradox is, though, if you have this expectation of your man, he will... Become that man. He will rise to the occasion because he has someone that's loving him and respecting him. And it's got to be genuine. He knows when you're just faking it. Um, but if you genuinely love and respect him, he will rise to meet that. Janie and I were talking about this the other day, and, and this, this is a huge deal. <clears throat> Most women, now let's tell me if, if you agree, this is kind of a, a discussion today. Most women feel that the the male ego is this huge thing and that he has this really high opinion of himself and that what is really needed is for you, the female, to bring him a good dose of reality. To maybe pop that bubble every now and then and bring him back to earth. Is that, is that, because Janie was going, man, I just, in reality, the male ego is the most fragile thing on earth. That may be a huge revelation to you ladies. In reality, he is secretly insecure in many areas. In fact, if this were ground level, if this is ground level, in many areas that your man has probably never shared with you and may have never, never verbalized to anybody. Verbalized, that's what I tried to just say. Um, he's never verbalized it. He is below ground level. And your job, according to the Scripture, according to what the Bible says... Is to raise Him up. Is to respect Him. Is to admire Him. You know, my wife is incredible at this. And, and without even realizing it, that was part of what I was looking for in a mate. Was someone who would love me unconditionally and respect me and never ever say something about me to someone else that she wouldn't say to me. And those of you who know my wife, she's incredible. She protects me. She's got my back. But I have a lot of friends who their wives rip them publicly, privately, day and night. And their husbands are living below ground level. They're miserable in their marriages because their wife will not meet their need of respect. Um, Ladies, you have a a, a huge deal here and and you may think, oh, that's impossible. I, I dare you to try it for 30 days. You respect him for 30 days, admire him publicly and privately, and you see if he doesn't rise to that that occasion to that expectation one man said it this way he said you know when when we have these arguments or when we have stuff that's going on in our lives if a woman starts a sentence with these words why did you you can probably figure it out she might as this is what he said you she might as well say why did you you dodo Now, that may not be your word. He was, you know, there are other words that are put in there. For for me, the thought was, why did you, you idiot, you dork, you moron. Now, a woman is generally asking for clarification. She's asking a neutral question. This took me a while to figure out with my wife. My wife was not attacking my intelligence. But a lot of times I heard her. That's the way I took it was she was attacking my intelligence. All she wanted was clarification. And so, what we've developed is this code word that we use, and, and I use this with others, she uses this with me, and it helps. So, I don't feel attacked. She'll say, They've helped me understand. I'm not comprehending this. And see, then I have a goal. If she's like, Why did you, you idiot? Now, she would never say that. But I've, I know folks, you know, I'm related to folks that are like that. Um, they say through their tone, through everything, that you're a moron and you better tell me why I'm a moron before I take you out. You know, that type of deal. Um, but if she comes to me, if anybody comes to me and says, I don't understand. Boy, then I've got a goal and I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help them see from my perspective, which is totally different than if somebody says I'm an idiot. Um, so you understand that. Now, in our society, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Since we're having a chat, let me ask you. When we're having these these discussions, these um, these not fights but um, intense discussions, would we consider it normal or okay? Would we consider it okay if the woman started to cry in one of these intense deals? Would we consider that normal? That's a yes or no question. <laughs> Y'all looking at me blank. Okay, we can we can make it colder if we want. You know, it is kind of chilly, isn't it? Um, I mean colder in here, not the question colder. Okay, we think that it's normal. And here's the deal. When a woman cries, it is the natural response to feeling unloved. Which is what? Her number one need. We would never say, and this is our society again, we would never say that it is okay for a man to get angry during one of these arguments. But that is the natural response for a man when he's feeling disrespected. It is the natural response for a man to get angry when he feels disrespected. Yesterday, I got angry. I I got mad. And as I was going over this again this morning, it's like God just brought it back and He said, that's what happened to you, dude. You felt disrespected. And I just went, God, that's right. If if there hadn't been a disrespecting thing there, I never would have gotten mad. But I got mad. I mean, it, it was my... Natural reaction. It wasn't it wasn't a good reaction, but it was the natural reaction. I didn't say anything. I just got mad um, And as long as you come to me and I feel that you respect me You can say whatever you can say, dude, you stink at whatever this is But if I feel you love me and respect me, you can tell me just about whatever you want to tell me But if you come with a fist, we're gonna have trouble Doesn't mean we're gonna get in a fist fight, but you understand what I'm saying if you come and you're attacking me We got trouble. And that's the way it is in in marriage a lot of time. Okay, ladies, I'm going to give you a key to this section. And here it is right here. A man's heart is powerfully moved by five simple words. If you want to capture your man's heart, you use these five simple words. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You know, in the past week, I've, I've heard two men say that if their wives never again told them, I love you. If they never again heard those words, they're not sure that they would miss the I love you if their wives said on a consistent basis, I'm so proud of you. Guys, you think about it. Respect is a huge deal to us. And if our wives feel proud of us, we can move the world. We can do a lot of stuff. A couple of weeks ago, I'd been, I think I was in Houston, I was down there for a Celebrate Recovery um, conference. So I'd been gone for a day or so and I came in the house and my son, my 10 year old Caleb saw me. First time he saw me, he runs up to me and he says, my hero. And he wrapped his arms around me and my heart almost stopped. I have never heard those words before. My hero. And boy, you better believe the rest of the day, rest of that night, I tried to live up to those words. And, and it gives me chills to think about it now. My son said that to me. I want to be his hero. And when my wife tells me she's proud of me, I want to keep living up there in the stratosphere. When she beats me down, which she doesn't do, I go, I below, go below ground level. And you guys know people in marriages where the husband is living below ground level because the wife rips him constantly. That's not what the Bible talks about. And I know, I know again, she's going to say, some of you are going, He doesn't deserve it. Well, neither do you. Did Jesus Christ say you had to clean up your act before He gave His blood on the cross? No, the Bible says while we were still sinners, long before we even conceived of cleaning up our act, Christ died for us and gave us forgiveness and gave us respect. And so if Christ can do that for us, strangers that He never knew, I mean that we never knew Him, we can do that for people we know, um, and those people that we chose to marry. Um, ladies, knowing that, knowing that a man needs respect, does it explain to you why some men would rather spend hours and hours at their job instead of coming home? He's going to hang out where he gets respect. And and let me just tell you this. We're, this whole series is about building stronger marriages and affair-proofing marriages. If a woman respects and admires him at work and you're not doing it, she'll capture his heart. And that's the last thing you want. So let's begin to meet this need. And let's tell our our husbands that we're proud of them. Ladies, let's just practice that. We're going to have practice today. So I'll say it and then I want you to say it. I'm so proud of you. Ladies. That stunk. That was... You go home and you do that. You go home and you say it like that. And he's going to go, so what? All right. Come on now. Let's say it like we mean it. Ready? That does not work. Come on, ladies. We are not going on to the next point until you get this right. This is so powerful. Let's try it again. I'm so proud of you. Hot dog, there we go. We could leave right now and the man would be happy. We would have a good time. Ladies, if you can never be pleased, eventually he'll stop trying. I've seen this in teenagers that cannot please their parents. I've seen this in wives that cannot please their husbands. I've seen this in husbands that cannot please their wives. Eventually they quit trying because there's nothing you can do to win. Now I want you to hear Ephesians 5.33 in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Ladies, if, if you need to, type this, this um, verse up in this version. Tape it wherever you need to. If, you, if you've got a criticizing mouth and it jumps out before you realize it, look what it says. Let the wife see that re- she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices. Here it is. That she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, and esteems him. That she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. <laughs> That's, that sums it up, doesn't it, guys? My wife does that. I'm on top of the world. It doesn't matter what you do to me. If my wife is proud of me and respects me and honors me, honest admiration is a tremendous motivator for most men. To know that you think he's wonderful, that he's capable, is a huge deal in his life. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We've got a rating scale. Ladies, you get to rate yourself. How are you doing? How respected does your husband feel? Scale of 1 to 10. Guys, you get to now rate your wives. Now, we're not doing this to cause a fight. (laughs) Part of the homework is we want you to go home and talk about this. Because sometimes there's blind spots in our lives. We really don't realize what we're doing. And this whole series is about... Raising our, our marriages to a higher level. Alright. Number two. Men are insecure. Alex wrote down pigs. Men are pigs. That was his guess. Men are insecure. Now you should have figured that out by now. After all, we just talked about men need respect. We're insecure about a lot of stuff. Um why do you think every young boy longs for the admiration of his dad? God built into us when he formed us in our mother's womb, a desire to hear our dad say, good job, I'm proud of you. And moms can make up for a lot of that. I know a lot of of guys who came up with single parent homes or dads were never anywhere around. And moms did a good job of of filling that need. But we have this. And basically what it means, ladies, is we're not ever growing up. Just just get over it. We're, we're little boys. We need somebody to play with, somebody to tell us, that was a good play, you know, good job. Because you listen to those little boys, those 10-year-olds coming back from a soccer tournament, they relive the good moments. Oh, you remember this shot and we did this, and oh, that guy knocked you down, but you did this. And they're They're talking about, they're building each other up, and we need that. We're little boys. We're insecure. All of our lives, no matter what we look like on the outside, there is some insecurity that we have on the inside. So build us up. Um, when a boy doesn't get that from significant men in his life, it can leave a scar. And unfortunately, many of you are married to people who've been scarred by their parents. And we carry that baggage into our marriage. So just know that and and build some security. Alright, that's that's a short one because we're going to get to a longer one. Ladies, rate how secure you make your man feel. How secure do you make him feel? And men, rate your wives. All right, we're going to fly through another one here. Men are providers. Men are providers. It's not just that they want to provide; they have a need to provide. And ladies, let me tell you: if you work outside the home, I'm not I'm not disrespecting that. I'm just saying, it does not matter how much money you make. If ladies, if you were to make all the money that that your family could ever need, want, desire, it would not matter one bit to your man. He has a need to contribute to the. to the household, to feel that He is providing for you. It's, that's just what we do. God built it in us. Um, you can go all the way back to the garden and, and see that, the Garden of Eden. Men need to provide. They need to contribute. They feel powerful when they provide. Now, I'm not going to give you... There's not a rating scale on there, and I did that on purpose. Because, ladies, I didn't want to cause a fight over this. You don't provide enough. No, that's not what we're trying to... I'm this is about building up your man, not tearing him down. So don't even go there. Don't even put a rating down if he's not making enough money. That's not the issue here. Just know he has a need to take care of you. Um, so give him that opportunity. All right, now, this one Alex actually got right. He said he guessed on all five of them, and he actually got this one right. Uh, probably all of you could. Men want more sex. Food? Kyle said food. He's a teenager, He's a teenager. <clears throat> Men want more sex. That's a big surprise. Now I've heard lots of women say, before I got married, he was so romantic. He brought me flowers. It was all about me. He did the sweetest things. Once we got married, he became into this lusting, pawing sexual monster. He didn't come, he didn't become a sexual monster. God created in him a need, a physical need, but it's more than a physical need, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. The typical doesn't understand her wife, her, the typical wife doesn't understand her husband's deep need for sex, just like the typical husband doesn't um, understand his wife's deep need for affection. Last week, ladies, we said, uh, we, we told the men, affection does not equal sex. Alright, ladies? Um, this week, sex does not equal affection. If you're showing us affection, great. <laughs> that does not meet this need. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> See, Janie and I talk about this. You know, when I'm holding her hand, when I'm snuggling with her, you know, if I'll come up and, and brush her cheek, that fills her love tank. She can do all those things to me. And I'm just like, great, baby. I love you. (laughs) You know, and I'm just trying to be real honest here. That does not meet the need. And and this is this is a huge issue. And if we can figure this out, we'll go a long ways to resolving um, some problems in marriage. Because I said this last week, I'll say it again. Most affairs happen because the wife doesn't get enough affection and the man doesn't get enough sex. Now, let me say this right now. There is never, ever an excuse for, an exec, for, for any sex. God. There is never an excuse for an affair. There is never an excuse for an affair. I don't care um, what she's doing, what he's doing. According to the Bible, there is never a reason for an affair. Having said that, we've got to be better about meeting the needs of our spouses. We can have, we can have wonderful, flourishing marriages... If we'll focus on the opposite sex. If I focus on my wife, she focuses on me. Life is grand at the Washburn household. Um, when a man chooses a wife, he makes a commitment to her and he says, I will look to you to meet my basic needs. And I'm committing myself exclusively to you. And most, most needs a man has, he can legitimately satisfy outside the marriage if he has to. His need for admiration and respect, he can meet that outside the marriage. Um... You know, a lot of his needs, he can satisfy that way. But his need for sexual fulfillment, he cannot satisfy anywhere outside of the marriage bonds. He's restricted himself to you voluntarily. When he married you, he said, you're the one I want to meet that need. Janie told me early on in our marriage, because we, we are, have been very open talking about men and women's needs. We've read books and stuff like that. And one time she said to me, she looked me dead in the eyes and she said... I want to be the only woman who ever meets your physical needs. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) cool. She said, but you got to tell me. You got to talk to me. And I said, okay, (laughs) if you're giving me that freedom, I'm going to tell you. Um, There are physiological things with a man that builds up and he needs a release. And I'm just going to tell you that and we're going to look at some scripture in a minute to, to back that up. Most men find that they get put on a limited diet sexually whenever they get married. And and either it's non-existent or it's not enough. And so he feels cheated. He puts all of his trust in this woman and he expects her to feel as strongly about sex as he does. When she's disinterested and bored or I've got a headache for the 800th night in a row, then he's feeling rejected by his wife. And most men have to decide whether they're going to stay in this marriage. And most men are honorable men, and they stay in the marriage. They're miserable, but they're committed. Or they choose to have an affair. Um, that's, that's how they get that release. Now, ladies, he didn't think this up. <laughs> when, <laughs> when he got married, he didn't just say, you know, well, I think I'm going to have need for sex, you know, all these times every week. God built into him... The need for for sex and so don't blame him don't belittle him don't don't beat him down because he has a God given need decide that you're going to be the one that will meet that need and and it will it will boost your your husband's um, outlook on everything in life. (laughs) I told you that last week. Now here's the deal ladies. This is more than a physical need. It's more than a physical need. It's feeling desired by their wives. If, if a man feels desired by his wife in the bedroom, it gives him a sense of well-being about everything else in his life. Now, she talked to these 1,000 men, 98% of them, 980 of these men said, Enough sex is not enough. One man said, I've got to read this quote. It's important to feel wanted and desired by their wives. One man said... A man would rather go out and clip hedges in the freezing rain than make love to a wife who seems to be responding out of duty. Yep. That's true. It's not enough. Because if you don't desire us, you have rejected us. And we're insecure. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that you have sex all the time. No. No. But in the Bible, it talks about that we are to restrict ourselves to a husband and wife, and we're to meet the needs of one another. And um, we're not doing that often enough, and that's what's causing some, some problems. The house can be a wreck. He can have trouble at work with his friends, with his siblings, but if he knows that his wife desires him in bed, he'll conquer the world. Now, I want you to um, think about this. Satan, since the beginning of time, Satan has taken good things and twisted them. In the Garden of Eden, um, Eve Eve was probably hungry. Hunger is a natural thing. He twisted and said, look at this fruit that God said you shouldn't have. And he twisted that. Satan tries to twist something that is good, a positive, which is sex created by God for the marriage bounds. And Satan has twisted it. And um, one of the biggest lures of pornography for men is that every single image in a magazine, every single image on the internet, is that woman saying to that man, he's imagining in his mind, that woman saying, I want you. It is a soul level need for a man to be desired. I'm not, I'm not at all um, advocating pornography. No. I'm advocating that we meet our needs within the bounds of marriage like God intended, and there's no need for that. Ladies, if this was just a physical need, he wouldn't need to look at, at pictures. It's also... A soul level thing of being desired, being wanted. Um, Now, one dad said, when we're talking about this whole deal of sex and keeping it in the bonds of marriage, one dad said to his son, one of the reasons God says no to premarital sex is that in your memory, even the worst sexual encounter, premarital sexual encounter you've ever had, will in your memory be better than anything you have with your wife. Again, that's because Satan takes those things from the past. Because one guy said, he said, in my mind, there are 40 women that I used to date lined up ready to have sex with me. Now, whether that was reality or not, in his mind, he believes that. And if his wife is not meeting his needs, then he's going to think of these things and Satan's going to tempt him with these things and it's going to be a bad deal. Um, now... One reason we don't have premarital sex is because in your mind, anything that you have now won't be as good as what you used to have. Um, Another reason is this, that every couple that I've ever known that should have broken up, they'll get to that point where they they no longer have anything worth uh, doing in the relationship. They've gone as far as they can emotionally. They really should break up. Their friends know it. Their parents know it. Everybody knows. Even they know it deep down in, in their hearts that they should break up. What happens is they'll go to another, another level and they'll have sex. And everybody I've ever talked to who later has a, a painful breakup, if you ask them the question, would it have been easier to break up without the sex? Every one of them would say, yes. Because a breakup, if you've not had sex, is relatively painless compared to the breakup once you have had sex. That's another reason not to mess around with premarital sex. And we've got to pass that along to, to all the folks that we know. Um, it's a trap of the devil. Every rocky relationship I know, um, if they had not had sex, it would have been easier for them to break up. When God says no, it's to protect you and provide for you. Now, ask any person um, what, what a no is and what do they say. Most people say no is a negative response. When God says no, there are two positives behind it. To protect you. And to provide for you. In this area of sex, we've got to realize that. Alright, now, ladies, here we are. we got the sexual scale. I want you to put two things down. One is the frequency of sex. And you are answering this based on your husband's needs, not on your own. Because that would be a different answer, probably. Would your husband say that the frequency of sex is enough to meet his needs? And that put that on the scale. Guys, you do the same, but you're answering that for your wife. And then the satisfaction. Does that meet his needs? Is it—is the quality of your sex life such that you both enjoy it? If not, there's a problem. And we need to figure out what that problem is. All right, next one. Men are visual. Real quick. Why do you think Hooters is so popular? I have heard, wait, I have heard, I have heard that it's the buffalo wings. That's garbage. If all you need is buffalo wings, go to Wingstop. They're popping up everywhere. He is not going for the wings. I'm sorry. I know a pastor who took his staff for a staff meeting to Hooters in Arlington, Texas. That was shortly before he was fired. Nobody in the in the in the church believed that that you know they were there for the buffalo wings. Um, Men are visual. And this is what Shanti says in her book. A man can't not notice a beautiful woman. A woman with a great body. Here's a quote she used. If I'm in Home Depot minding my own business, this is what a man said. If I'm in Home Depot minding my own business, even if I force myself to turn away and not look, I'm always aware that she's in there somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that's that's true. This is so difficult. Because ladies, let's be honest, men hate this temptation too. We know you hate it for us. Men hate the visual temptation as well. Now, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. We capture every thought and make it, cap- make it give up to obey Christ. Well, how do you do that? The Bible has the answer. Psalm one nineteen nine says, How can a young person live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word, But then it goes on to say that reading the map isn't enough. In verse uh, 11 says, I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Two keys there. I've thought much about your words and I've stored them in my heart so that it would hold me back from sin. So what it says is the psalmist David, in this case, he's talking about... I meditate on God's Word, but I don't just meditate. I memorize it so that I have it there at a moment's notice and I can pull it up. It's what Jesus did when He was tempted. Temptation is not sin. It's what you choose to do with the temptation that determines whether it's sin or not. If we can get enough Bible memory, get enough Scriptures in our mind, we can do just like Jesus did and we can rattle off a Scripture and you substitute God's Word for that image. Because here's the deal. That image can jump up and assault that man at any time. He can be at work. He can be on the computer typing in something. He can be doing math. And all of a sudden, the image of that beautiful woman at at, uh, uh, Home Depot pops up in his mind and starts assaulting him. And he has to decide right then what he's going to do with it. Whether he's going to dwell on it. When you dwell on it, it becomes sin. If you replace it with something else, it is not sin. Now, well, here's the deal. Let's say that, that this white paint represents your mind whenever you are born. It's clean. There is not sin in there. Now, I'm going to tell you that, that you are not guilty of sin because you're born. You are guilty of sin because you choose to sin. You are born with a sin nature, which makes it very easy for you to sin. But you are not guilty, so you don't come out darkened with sin. You come out with a clean slate, but you very quickly choose to sin. Now, every time we choose to sin, it is like adding some black paint to your mind. And what's going to happen whenever you add that black paint? It's going to turn gray. And so you add that in and it doesn't take a whole lot of that black paint to begin turning your your mind a different shade. Now, when when you add pornography or you add sexual sin, you ought to just dump at least twice in there because those images men and you you know it's true those images get burned in your mind and they do not leave and the only option you have then is to figure out some way to combat that darkness in your mind and you, and you just think about this some people never find out how to combat the darkness and so it is like it is like pouring everything that we have and their minds get darker and darker and they live in an environment of sin and so it's no wonder that people can commit all kinds of atrocities in this life if their minds are black with sin. They don't recognize even right from wrong. I was listening about the 13-year-old the girl. They just found her body in Florida. And they're, they're, they're um, positive that it's the girl that's been missing that was kidnapped from her own home. And there's no telling what the man did to her before he killed her. He was um, a sexual predator. And, and that just blows my mind that somebody would do something like that. But they have sin in their minds and they are darkened. That's what Scripture says. That the enemy blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the gospel of the glory of Christ. So what do we do if our minds are blackened? Well, the only option we have is to come to Christ and ask Him to forgive us. And then we begin to add, this is what the verse says, we begin to think about the words of God and to store them in our hearts. So this represents Bible verses. This represents memorizing Scripture. The more you pour into your mind, the cleaner and purer it gets. But here's here's the downside. As we add the Scripture in there, it might become less dark. It'll become a lighter shade of gray. But in this lifetime, you will not ever have a white, pure mind again. Because of the stuff you choose to put in there. Every image, guys, you put in there. There's stuff I did when I was a teenager that's still in my mind. And it sickens me because it rips my... It's the lightest gray that it's been since my teenage years. But there is still darkness there because of the stuff I chose to do. Don't you buy the lie from Satan that you can sin and there are no consequences. Sin I committed 20 and it's unfair to my wife. And so I try everything I can to become a pure husband, but don't buy it that, that the choices you're making now don't affect your future. They do. Everything you do, guys, in your teenage years, everything you do before you're married, rips off your wife in the bedroom. And that's not fair. Now, here's the deal. We don't have time to go into this. I've gone way over. There were seven revelations. One of them is that men men um, need an attractive wife. Now listen to me. And this is all I'm going to say about this because we don't have time. Your attractiveness is not just outward. When you seek after God, when you honor and respect Him, whenever you... Um, When you say kind things and do kind things for your husband, you become attractive on the inside as well. But here's a basic thing. Ladies, the things you did to attract us, that's what you do to keep us. Um, You used to fix yourself up. Keep doing that. I mean, that's something Janie's real big about that. She wants and she'll... She'll apologize. She does one day a year where she, and don't come over on New Year's Day, because New Year's Day, that's her deal, is she doesn't put on any makeup. But she says, I want, I want to look good for you when you come home. Of course, it's kind of funny. My office is at home now, so, you know, she's got to get up early. Um, no, I'm kidding. But ladies, if you will do just a few things, and it doesn't matter if you're heavier than you used to be, that's life. That's babies. Have babies and then try to recover from that and whatever, you know, I'm glad we don't do that. Guys, we couldn't have them in the first place. That's why God knew that we couldn't go through the pain. Um, But ladies, just just fix yourself up. And that says to your husband that you value him. Ladies, I want you to just rate yourself real quickly on your appearance. Do you do things to communicate to your husband that you value him? And guys, you do it as well. This one can cause a fight. So don't look at each other's scores So you get in the car. <laughs> now, men or women are different. And it's no wonder there are problems in marriage. And um, just because we're different doesn't mean that we're bad. Maturity is when I can say, you're different, I'm different, and we can work on the differences and let God worry about behavior modification. I love the person. Um, Dr. Harley says the best way to get rid of incompatibility is to set yourself full-time about meeting the needs of your spouse. It is a full-time job. And if you'll do that, God will bring you together. Alright, on the back of your card, here's what I want you to do. The basic problem in marriage is selfishness. The basic problem in any relationship that's having a problem is selfishness. So would you write... If if you are committed to this, this is, this is the commitment for today. I want to be less selfish. That's the commitment. Just write that on the back. And then say that to God. God, help me to be less selfish. Help me to look out for the needs of others. <clears throat> Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for making us men and women. <laughs> I praise you, God, for my wife who loves me like I never thought I could be loved. Who protects me, who respects me, who honors me. God, help me to be half the person that she is. And help me to lift her up and make her feel special. Because she's your gift to me. And I praise you for my gift. God, let us see our spouses as a gift from you. And let us treat them as if they're the most precious items in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.